Welcome to On the Edge with April Mahoney Brains. You hit the spot. The place where the conversation is pointed, the guests are sharp, and the responses are never dull. Put your thinking caps on, because the conversation starts now. Welcome to On the Edge with April Mahoney Brains. You are at your favorite spot, the best podcast on planet Earth. The place where the conversations are pointed, the guests are sharp, and the responses are never dull. Well, we're going to get an injection of the Holy Ghost right now because we're going to talk to Tani Lee Larson. And if you haven't seen her on social media, I don't know where you've been because she is a shining star. She is talking about resilience, reconciliation, and recovery through the Lord and through her book. She's the author of Healing Broken Women. Women have go through trauma, trials, and tribulations every single day. But it's how you bounce back, it's how you respond, it's how you recover, and how you move forward in your life. And who you praise for your circumstance, good, bad, or indifferent. You have to be accountable of that. So we're going to talk about the 12 steps. 12 steps to recovery, whether you are, you know, uh, eating disorder, alcohol, drugs, broken heart, mental health, These are basic principles that you can apply in your life to recover. So let's welcome her to the edge. How are you, Tawny? I am wonderful. Thank you so much, April, for inviting me to this. Well, I'm excited to have you. Like I said, I've been seeing you. I've been watching you. I've been feeling you. And every day you make a conscious effort to uplift, encourage, and motivate someone through the word. Uh, And it takes a lot. You know, a lot of times people reject that. Either they reject it or they completely ignore it. But you make it a, a daily ritual to come online and to uh, to bring people, you know, awareness. And so I thank you for that. Absolutely. Well, God is great. So yes, he is. Yes, he I is. not share. Exactly. So tell us a little bit about you and how you found yourself in this space. Well, I am a motivational speaker. I am also host of the healing conferences that I um, I'm doing the third one in December. I also have a TV show, Healing Hearts in 12 Steps. Um, everything is kind of the 12 steps. And the reason for that is because that is the recovery that I went through from being married to a sex addict, intimacy anorexic, narcissist husband. And I would not be here today if it was not for the 12 steps. So he was a sex addict. Yes, ma'am. What does that mean? I mean, you know, I'm I'm a freak. I like to get it all only on one partner. But uh what is what is considered a sex addict? Um, someone that relies on either um prostitution, having an affair with another woman or women, um, masturbation, pornography, that type of stuff. Wow. And so yeah, yeah, there was a there was an awful lot there. Okay, so you wake up one day and you find that this person is overly sexual. Is that something, and I I ask these questions because I like to pull back the layers and, and, you know, expose our vulnerability. Was that something that kind of drew you to him at first? Was his sexual appetite? Sometimes that's appealing until we realize that it's overt. Um, Yes, it was. And during my recovery, I discovered why I chose two husbands 
that were sex addicts. And it all goes down to the fact of myself being molested at the age of five. And so you're shown at an early age that sex is just something that you just do. You just go, you do it, you enjoy it. It's it's not sacred. It's not something that just a married couple do. It's just there. Um, and so, yeah, that drew me to him. We started off as an affair, which was the very wrong thing to do. Um, and he just kept having affairs. Um, I did not know about the other ones until he was good at it, um, until this one came about. And this one had went on for quite some time. And we actually divorced. And then I thought it was all good without going to any, you know, counseling, that type of stuff. And so we started dating each other and going to a pastor for counseling and remarried only to find out that the affair was still going on. So within three months, we were divorced again. Yeah. So that's crazy. So did you ignore the signs? Okay, because I'm the helicopter wife. <laughs> I know everything. I, you know, I will go through your wallet. I will go through your phone, your car. We are partners. He'll go through my phone, my wallet. I don't have those secrets. Uh, you know, we have our independence. He can go hang out with the boys. I can go hang out with the girls on vacation, this, that, and the other. But were there definite signs and symptoms that you now in hindsight looked over glossed over didn't care about didn't question oh definitely absolutely now that i know i'm like oh yeah that that should have been a signal but i can't feel guilty because of the fact i did not know at that time if i would make the same mistake now i could because i know right so that's one of the, the things that I teach women, you know, you can't blame yourself because if you did not know how, what were, what would you do? How could you do anything? You didn't know. Now, you know, but we often tend to blame ourselves afterwards, right? right. After everything. Or, like I said, or, or live under a rock and say, right. I would know this possibly can't, you know, he wouldn't do that to me or on that's, the flip side. You burn yourself and you say, I'm not good enough. I'm not pretty enough. I wasn't sexy enough. I wasn't available enough. I, 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 I. And the conversation is not about I. Number one, it should be about we. Number two, you should communicate what you want. Number three, ask questions and investigate. Your intuition is God's gift to you to say, hey, red flag, car's coming. Get up off the curb. You're about to get hit. Right. But and it did. Yeah. But if we continue to excel and, and push forward through that, I don't, I think that we have some responsibility in our, in our own recovery, in our own redemption. We have a truth that we have to acknowledge with ourselves. It may not, you know, be a consequence of what the other person did, but, you know, continuously glossing over it and thinking that it's going to go away. Uh, I don't know how I feel about that. I think we should take some ownership on that. What's your thoughts? Yep. Well, um, and going through recovery, when you go through the 12 steps, you learn that you are responsible for yourself, for your actions and your reactions. Otherwise, you're powerless because I cannot control another person, what they do, what they say in any way, shape or form. But I sure can for Tawny Lee. Absolutely. Um, I believed with all of my heart 
that things had changed the second time. I now can see what many, many reasons why it went the way that it did. And it was all for God's glory. I kept hearing God say, just like he did to Jehoshaphat, stand back and watch what I'm going to do. Well, I kept thinking that it was going to be for the husband that he was going to change him, right? No, he was changing Tommy because he knew that all this was going to happen, right? So he had to start changing me. Um, going through the journey, I am a much stronger person. Have I, I've had to go through the recovery and I have to go through recovery every day because there are times that something will trigger me and I'm like, oh, that still hurts really bad. And so I'll have to process it. I'll have to forgive or, you know, give it away or, or whatever. So, but yes, I have had to take full responsibility for my actions and, um, at towards the end of the marriage, the first time, um, I was very, very lonely. And so I, you know, I sought out other people as well. So, you know, um, an old friend paid me attention. And so it was amazing to have him there to talk to and, and that type of stuff. It's not and okay. You know what, and that's, that's what happens is, is people become vulnerable. Yes. And you've got these people that are like vultures. They're they're watching for you. They oh, absolutely. They yep. want to they want to love you. They want to nurture you, but also they see a window of opportunity. Yes. You know. So you have to give yourself some breathing room, brains. You know, just right. give, just give yourself a minute to, you know, uh not have to be intimate with an, in, an individual. You can learn to satisfy yourself. We're grown. We can have that conversation. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, there's being uh, abstaining completely. That's a good way of clearing your mind. Well, Women and if I could say brains, the thing is, who are we? I think that is the most important thing I did in my life because someone gave me um, the words I am. And this is something that I do with, with my girls. Um, the ladies, as I say, okay, so you get you a piece of paper and at the top, you write, I am. Your first answers cannot be that you are a mother, that you are a daughter, that you are a granddaughter, that you're a wife or you, that you're working. Who are you? And I found out, oh my gosh, I'm a writer. I love to write. I found out I love to interview people. I found out, you know, some of the things like uh, I am a NASCAR freak, big time. I mean, I just, I just love the races. And so to find out who we are, then we become very, very strong. As soon as we start finding out who we really are and we don't need someone, but we can want someone to share life with us. So how did God come into the equation? Oh, God has always been in my equation. Great Christian home. Um, I did wander away from him. Absolutely. Um, otherwise, I, I wouldn't have, um, you know, chosen to have an affair with this person. But um, he's always been a big part of my life. And when I started going through health issues, such as my brain tumor and my breast cancer, he became so much more 
so much more to me. And then through the divorce, he became my heavenly husband. And that is who I went to for everything, everything. So you documented all of this in the pages of Healing a Broken Woman. Let's see a copy of the book. <laughs> that is amazing. I love that cover. That is great. Tell us what's That's all God given. Uh, he showed me the colors and my publisher was able to put it together. And I was like, oh, wow, Lord. So, yeah. When you do it, he will show up and show out. Yes, sir. Oh, boy. Big time. Yes. What's inside the pages of that book, Tawny? It's stories about um, my life. There's um, also something in there that I want every woman that has had an abortion to know that it's time to forgive yourself. It really is. And it is time to remember that that child, you will see them again because they are in heaven. So if you believe in God and you've accepted him, then you will see that child again. But it's time to quit forgiving yourself. And so that's in there too. And that was something that going through the process of the recovery really brought out because it had been hidden for 30 years. And well, so I know one of these days I will go to heaven's gates and I will see my little Melissa. Let me ask a question. You being a woman of deep religious faith and having to make that choice, what is your overarching, you don't have to go into detail, position on a woman's right to make a choice and to choose? I think women have every right just as a man have every right. But that child has every right too. And it is, to me, my opinion, it is murder. I know what I went through. I know the torment that I went through afterwards. Um, I didn't give Melissa a chance. Who am I to say that she did not have a right to life? She sure did. Otherwise, that egg and that sperm would not have come together to create a baby. So that is my feeling on it. Because my my God's word says, thou shalt not murder. And that is something that I had to deal with. And it took forever to forgive myself. I totally understand. I had a guest on my show that had 28 abortions. Oh, yes. 28. And it wasn't at a time where it was uh, medical facilities. These were self-induced, jars of honey, coat hangers, someone's bedroom, some woman using some, you know, uh, I mean, uh, utensils that were not surgically sterilized. So I can't imagine. I've never been in that situation. Uh, me, I have, I understand a woman's right to make a choice. And it's her body, and that's between her and her God. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, it's, I'm sure it could be traumatic. I had another counselor on my show that is an, uh, a, a coach for women that have had abortions and helping them psychologically go through what they go through. It could have been a medical reason, it could have been rape, it could have been incest, it could have been. Uh, you know, a date, it could have been date raped, a lot of reasons that individuals have to make those choices. So brains, do a, a deep dive, think about your heart, your soul, 
um, think about how it's going to impact you when you go to make these type of decisions because they are life changing. Share with us. Can you share with us the 12 steps? I've never heard them completely. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so step one is that we admit to ourselves, to God and to others, um, that we have to know that our lives have become unmanageable. So we got to admit to God, to ourselves and to others that our lives has become unmanageable. We're powerless. Step two, we have to come to believe and accept that a power, God, or greater than us, um, and greater than ourselves, and that through prayer, work, and acceptance, that he can restore us to a greater life. Step three, we have made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to God for his care as we understand him. This is my most favorite step. Step four, we made a fearless searching of our moral inventory. In other words, we looked at everything within us, all of our defects. And and step five, admitting to God, to ourselves and to others, the reason for all of the wrongs that we have done. Step six, we are so ready to have God remove all of the defects from our own character, giving it away. Step seven, we now humbly ask him to remove all of our shortcomings. What a merciful God we live, we love. Okay, step eight, made a list of all of the people in our lives that we have harmed in some way and that we are willing to make amends to them. That's tough. Have you ever tried to apologize to a baby in heaven? Mm. Step nine, making amends to those that we, we know that we have intentionally hurt whether possible or except when it, it could cause harm to us or to, to them or to ourselves. Sometimes we can't make amends directly to someone, but we can make amends by writing it out, by speaking it out in some way, that it is so cleansing to get rid of all of that stuff. Step 10, we will continue to be aware of our personal inventory. And when we would go wrong, we will quickly admit to it. So how quickly are how quickly can you admit that you just offended someone or you said something that you shouldn't have or accountability. Step 11, through prayer and meditation, we sought to improve our conscious contact with God as we truly understand him, praying for knowledge of his will for our lives and to carry it out. Step 12 is also an amazing one. Step 12, the final step. Having made a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we will try to carry out this message to others and to daily live these principles in our lives every day. Carrie? I can see this is still very much impacts you. I want to touch oh. on a couple of things. I want to, you know, think 
how do I say this? Uh, I say this with love is that the, 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 the crutch of one turns into the enabling of another in some situations. Okay. So you have this challenge, drugs, alcohol, sex, whatever it may be, and then immediately flip to God to be the crutch to carry us through. Um, never really finding out who you are in between all of that. Cause there's a pause moment. There's got to be a pause. There's got to be a reset moment. You can't Absolutely. go, no, you can't go from the pot to the frying pan. So that's something to consider. Give yourself a breather, you know, again, try to figure out who you are first before you jump right into something else because religion can control you as well. It is a form of mind control. It's a form of discipline. I'm not saying that in a negative way, but it is what it is. Um, also, acceptance. People aren't going to always accept your apology. No. How do you respond to that? Don't be overly pushy. You have to forgive yourself first. If you forgive yourself and find peace with yourself, those outside influences will either dissipate and go away. They will embrace you and love you and honor you and work with you, or they may just stay neutral. But wherever that lands, that is how you're responding to that. You've done things, we've all done things. We've hurt people's feelings, stole their money, stole their, you know, their husband, cussed them out. We've all done something to someone. But if they do not want to accept an apology, go with it. You know, my mother, Tawny, never apologized. Not mm. even. And it wasn't a negative yeah. thing. And I asked my mom, I said, why don't you say I'm sorry? She says, well, I'm not a sorry person. She said, and people, they know their intention when they do things. She said, now I acknowledge when I make a mistake, you know, if I've done something wrong, I make note of it and I won't do it again. But to say I'm sorry, she said, it's just like laying a blanket over it. You can't kill somebody and look at their family and say, I'm sorry. You can't embezzle my, you know, life savings, squander it off and turn around to me and I'm sitting here in the shelter and say, I'm sorry. She says, so those words were empty and shallow to her. And it took me a long time to process that. And I, I saw her a couple times say it and it was, it was like an aha moment to me. You know, there was like, okay, when I say that I'm sorry, or I apologize, or I acknowledge what I did, you better believe when it comes out of this mouth that it is really sincere because I've been through the process of, you know, living through, didn't say those words. I've had people on my show where their mothers have never said, I love you. They've showed it in other kind of ways, but words have power. They have meaning. Yep, they do. They're, they're very, very strong. So you work with uh, women. Tell us a little bit about your program outside of the 12 steps. Well, and it's a 12 step program uh, is what it is because I take them through each step um, and through each step, you have to realize, you know, within yourself, different little things like that you're powerless. Um, in other words, we can't control. Um, so, or nor can we enable. 
So if we don't control, if we're not controlling, are we enabling? Are we codependent? Do we need someone to, you know, be there for us to lift us up in a certain area or whatever? So I have a worksheet, um, you know, that we go through and and each time that they finish the steps, we get together and we go over it and I'll ask them their thoughts. I'll give them, you know, a few of mine. I don't like to give advice. I'm always asking questions. And by doing that, it puts it back on the, the lady. Right. You know? Because so, you got to recognize what you're going to do for yourself. You can't exactly you can't consult me all the time. Sometimes I'm not available. Right. <laughs> but yeah. you want to be able to give them tools to make good decisions. Yes. And those That's decisions it. that are applicable to you. I mean, there's there mm -hmm. might be a situation where a husband has had an indiscretion and the wife might be very liberal to it. She might forgive him. But we've told him, girl, you better leave him. And you, you know, you better figure out where all the bodies right. is buried, yep. this, that, and the other. But that may not be the case. They might no. be able to work through it. So exactly. I understand that. I don't like to give advice. I'm not the, the be all end all. But I do ask my friends, girl, do you want me just to be a good listener? Right. Or do you want <laughs> do you want dialogue? If you want dialogue, fine. But if you want me to be a good listener, I'm only gonna listen to this maybe once, maybe twice. Every time we go out, I'm not going to hear, I'm not going to do this because right. it's letting me know clearly you're not trying to work through it. And I am not going to be drained and the oxygen sucked out of the room trying to help you figure Absolutely. out what's going right. to do. Because exactly what I tell you to do, you're going to do the complete polar opposite. <laughs> and that's usually what it is. So you know, yeah. And then be mad at me and say, I'm a troublemaker and I'm this, that, and the other. Yeah. We knew from the giddy up that you was going to get back with him. And I'm not judging you for getting back with him. If you like it, I love it. As long as you're not being physically harmed, as long as your children are being physically harmed, that you're being able to eat, sleep, and function in a semi-normal capacity, I'm with you. Right. And that is one of the greatest reasons why we should not ever advise someone. Mm -hmm. I know counselors can give advice and, and that type of stuff. And because they can say, you know, try this or do this and, and that type of stuff. And I tell you what, I, I just love coaches because coaches will coach you, right? They won't advise you, but they'll ask the questions. Well, then it comes and it goes back on the person or it comes back on me as my responsibility. So the decision that I make, I can't blame someone else for, right? I'm going to have to question myself. Well, why did I make that decision or why, you know, so that's the reason I do that. And it also creates growth. This is how I look at it, because if you have to sit there and you have to think about it, you know, and you process it, well, that's making you a stronger person. So that's, that's how um, I, you know, do the program. I went through such an amazing recovery program that, yeah, I am here today because of that program. But I think too, uh, again, it builds your toolbox. You know what you need, you know what your triggers are, you know what is going to alleviate the pain. Yes. But also, please, please uh, watch for the signs and the patterns so that you don't double dip. Exactly. Oh, because That's you can painful. be drawn. Yeah, because you can be drawn to those same type of behaviors. 
and someone inappropriately touched you as a child. Um, and so what a pedophile, from what I understand, does is they groom you. They're not trying to hurt you or pain you. They're trying to make you find pleasure in it, that it's soothing, that it is okay, it's all right. So now mm -hmm. you have those experiences of pleasure and you're of a mature age, you reach back and you think about how you were shamed and how you were with this person. And now you've had these conversations with people and you've met other people that have been traumatized and victimized as well. And now there's shame associated with it. Absolutely. So I'm not supposed to feel pleasure. I'm not supposed to feel good. This is nasty. This is dirty, you know, and then you're hiding, you know, you're hiding the truth of what happened. You don't want to keep reliving that because it's traumatic. Yeah. It, mm -hmm. It's a lot. It is a lot. And, you know, forgiveness. It's huge. It's huge. And you have to forgive yourself. It can't <laughs> be for an outside influence. You know, it cannot be from an outside influence. You've got to forgive yourself. And that's one of the hardest things to do. Yes. Tony, you are absolutely amazing. Tell my brains how to get in contact with you, how to work <laughs> with you and how to tune in and find you on the TV. Well, Brains, it's been such a pleasure to to just share because um, we all have a story to share and that's what we're supposed to do with it because someone needs the help somewhere. You can reach me at Tani Lee, T-O-N-N-I-L-E-A.com or you can find me all over social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, um, Instagram, TikTok, uh, YouTube. And my TV show is on the Traverse app and also on YouTube. And it is Healing Hearts in 12 Steps. My conferences are on my website as well. And the next one is in Colorado Springs, Colorado, December 8th and 9th. Well, we are definitely going to put all the information to contact you, you at the back and in the show notes. Brains, reach out. You're not alone. And she's not here to judge. She's here to look. No. Okay. She's going to cuddle you, but also, unfortunately, she's going to have to tell you when it's, something's not right, and that's okay. We need someone that is objective. We don't need a people pleaser that no. always is going to, you know, you're just right in everything that you do because we're not that. The things that hurt us the most are our best teachers. It's so true. <laughs> so and true. We will have to, we have to walk a journey. We have to have a testimony at the end of this or our life is in vain. So That's thank right. you so much for walking the walk and shining the light and being a light um, to others and other women that have been through this and that are still going through it. So um, you are the best. You are the 13th step. How about that? <laughs> thank you, April. All right. All right, Brains. Go in, get your stuff together. Wipe your tears, dry your nose, put on some lipstick. Sit up straight, put your shoulders back, take a deep breath, and process, okay? Process here on the edge. Thank you so much, Connie Lee Larson. Thanks, April Mahoney. <laughs> Bye, Brains.